I'll tell you what I'd like you to do today. As we get started, um, well, actually, I'll tell you what we want to do before we do that, before we get started. So this is the precursor to the precursor or something like that. Okay, so here's what I'd like you to do. Uh, one, you know, wh why do we sing? You ever notice that? I look around sometimes, and, you know, some of you are just singing your hearts out, and others of you are kind of going, hmm, that paint's red. Uh, you know, and so you just kind of look around. I mean, you know, why do we sing when we get together? Have you ever asked yourselves that? Is it like, because that's what we do, right? I mean, why do we do that? Why do we sing? Why do we sing? Anybody know? Can't dance. Can't dance, yeah. <laughs> Can't dance, might as well sing. No, no, that's not why we sing. No, I'll tell you what. You know, there's a couple reasons you, you there's probably more than a couple, but let me give you a couple. One of the reasons we sing, by the way, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Neil, and I do want to meet you, so we will, but we'll talk about that later. Um, you know, one of the reasons we sing is because when you're there and you are together as a group and you're singing, you hear others repeat some of the words to that song, and it encourages your faith, and you begin to think, you know, that is true. You hear that with someone else singing. If what you hear behind, beside you, though, is, hmm, you're not that encouraged, you know, but I mean, when you hear others singing that, it encourages your faith and you think, yeah, you know what? That is true. What that says about God, what that says about life, what that says about me, boy, that's true. And it really is an encouragement to you. It really strengthens you. The other reason is this. You need to sing songs because you'll build some muscle memory in your mind with some of the truths of these songs. Because when you go through some things in life, it's good to have little three-minute sermons. We call them songs. Uh, within your mind that you can actually remember and run through there and remind yourself of truth. I mean, how many of you remember little jingles that you heard years ago? Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah. Some you wish you could forget. I know. I mean, uh, every Christmas, my wife and I will be sitting talking about this stuff, you know, and I'll say, you know, She'll say, you know, oh, you know, this person wants this and this person wants this. And, you know, maybe we ought to get this. And I'll say, you know, jewelry is the gift to give. For it's the gift that'll live and live. And give the gift you know can't fail from B.C. Clark's anniversary sale. <laughs> Most sales are after Christmas, but Clark's is just before. Most everything is marked way down. Savings you can't ignore. At Oklahoma's oldest jeweler since 1892, the Christmas wish of B.C. Clark is to keep on pleasing you. So give the gift you know. See, I mean, honestly, I heard that when I was a little kid walking through the living room. And I mean, it's like, hmm. And that thing was riveted in my mind. Now you look here at least 10 years later, I am like no longer a little kid and, you know, that thing is still in my mind. And it's not like I sit around and look up the words to it and say, you know, what are the lyrics to that? No, I mean, it's just one of those things. Well, you know what? The truth of God can be in your mind like that. If you'll take and sing and commit some of those songs. So anyway, that's precursors. It's, that's free. That's not even part of what we're talking about tonight. But anyway, <laughs> what I'd like you to do right now is this. You look around, there's probably someone you're seeing right there and you're thinking, hey, I don't think I know them yet or I don't think I know them very well or I'd like to get to know them better. So what I'd like you to do is this. You jump up and meet somebody and find out from them what was one thing that happened over break that they were just tickled spitless about. So get to know somebody, okay? Did you guys find a few interesting things? Did you meet some people? Yeah, no, kind of, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to start. Uh, we're starting a new series tonight and I think actually it's going to be uh, a good series. I mean, I think it'll be good for you. Uh, I know it'll be good for me. Uh, it's a series just on uh, behind enemy lies. And what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at what are lies that Satan, the enemy, 
tries to trip us up with and tries to mess our lives up with? And then how can we learn to actually respond to those? How can we learn to actually deal with those in, in a way that will really help us to move forward and make progress and stuff? And so, you know, I'd encourage you, uh, you know, while you're, uh, while you're listening, I'd encourage you, you know, you might want to jot a verse down or two, something like that, so that you can take it and look at it later on so that you'll actually be able to, uh, you know, look some things up and, and work on those. But over break, one of the things that happened to us is what you'll see up here on the screen. We became grandparents again. This is Ellis Hope. That's young Ellis Hope. I'll tell you what, she's, she's a sweetheart. She is all of about uh, 10 days old right now. Um, she was born on the 2nd, and so uh, she's, she's a great gal. Um, six pounds, six ounces when she was born. I told Jennifer, we usually throw them back when they're that size, you know me, but she said, oh, okay, thanks, Dad. Uh, so um, it was, amazingly, our daughter was not stressed during this delivery. Um, did very well. Everything went well. I mean, she went in, you know, uh, short labor and baby was born. Her whole demeanor, though, Jen's whole demeanor was very different from when this one was born about two years earlier. Yeah, that's Myla. For those of you that don't know Myla, that's Myla. We're at the hospital right there and she's going, Papa, can I hold her? And I'm going, no. And she's looking at me smiling. Mm, you think that. <laughs> you say that, Papa, but I will hold her. And, uh, you know, <laughs> things were very different, though for Jen when Mila was born. Now, why was that? Was it was because Mila was bigger? Well, not much. I mean, she's half a pound bigger. I mean, was it, what, what was the difference? Well, you know, the real difference was there were so many unknowns. I mean, Jen had never had a baby before. You know, she, had, she didn't know what to expect. She didn't know when to expect it. She didn't know anything about that. I mean, there were so many different things going around in her head. This time she's kind of like, got this. And I'm really wow, this is amazing, rather confident, you know, I mean, going into this thing, you know, I mean, I mean, not that it, it's not like, yeah, after the first one, it doesn't hurt anymore. If in any case, any of you girls are wondering that, yeah, no, um, but it was a matter of, you know what, she knew what to expect, she knew when to expect it, so things were very different. I want, to look, I want you to look at a verse with me for a minute, First Peter 5, 8, a verse right here on the screen, it says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. What, what does he want to do? Devour. Devour. Yeah, it's not like lick you. You know, sometimes we think, oh, like a little lion. No, like a lion looking to devour you. In other words, he wants you for a meal. Now, here's the thing. Even though we read that verse, and most of you, I would imagine at some point, have read that verse at least once, if not a hundred times. And so you've read this verse, but here's the thing. Even though we've read that verse, it is amazing how that whole process of what's going on with that continues to catch us by surprise. Over and over, I see people, they're just amazed. They're like, oh, I don't know what's happening. How did this happen? Why is this happening? When is it happening? What, what's going on with this? Over and over, you begin to see people that, you know, Paul says at one point, uh, we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes. And I think, who's we, Paul? Uh, because I think for most people I know, they're very unaware of the enemy's schemes. They're very unaware of how he works in people's lives and what he does. And consequently, what ends up happening many times is, and this is true with people uh, that are not believers, but more so with people that are believers. They find their lives wrecked. 
and they find, you know, like um, marriages wrecked and they find like a relationships that they have really messed up and they find, you know, plans that they had torn to pieces and, and they don't even know how it happened. And a lot of times what it is, you know, we'll find rep- our reputations shredded. We'll find all sorts of things. We'll find our lives devoured in many, many different ways. And the reason is because we don't have a clue a lot of times about how the enemy works in our lives and what he does. And so the purpose of this series, what we want to do during this series is we want to help you to understand how the enemy attacks and how you can learn to stand against him. How you can learn to not only stand against him, but how you can learn to to do well in standing against him. You know, so scripture identifies for us. Scripture says we have three enemies that wage war against us. And it calls them the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, the differences are kind of these. You know, the world, that's kind of the ways of culture that oppose Christ. That can be anything. That can be people. uh, That can be governments, uh, institutions, religions, systems. It can be all sorts of different things. But it's it's things that are in opposition to Christ. It's things that are... uh, if, if you've probably noticed, if you've hung around at all, if you've hung around government, in fact, if some of you are poli-sci majors and you start studying government, others of you, you know, you are uh, really plugged in with different things within student council and different things here within this institution called USC. Others of you have been involved in a lot of different organizations, most of which you'll probably find is this. You don't walk out of there going, they really have my spiritual life in mind when they're making these laws. I know they do. They want me to grow. In fact, they want me to prosper and do well. You don't walk out thinking that. You walk out thinking, oh my gosh, they're, they're going to destroy us. And you walk out and you think that. And the reason is this. You look in, in 1 John 5, 9, and he says this. He says, we know that we are all of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. You know, he's the one who's directing things behind the scene in the world. If you're ever wanting to know about a conspiracy theory of any sort, you know, there is one right there. You know, the enemy is hard at work making sure that all of the different things, all of the different culture within the world begins to take us away from a relationship with God. The second... um, Enemy he mentions is the flesh. Now there he's not talking about our bodies. He's not, you know, your bodies are fine. So he's talking about there your sinful fallen nature um, that really seeks to satisfy its own lust. That's what he's talking about. Your, your nature. And whenever Paul's talking about this, he comes along and one of the groups he mentions this to is the Galatians. And as he's talking to this group of people in Galatians 5, he says this, He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, when you look at that, Have any of you 
experienced any of those things? Anybody, anybody ever experienced like overbreak? Anybody experienced rage or anything overbreak? Anybody ever experienced? Yeah, you experienced some of these things. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you're over there and everything's good? And all of a sudden, a little bit later, everything's in a mess. And you're just arguing or you're just at odds with somebody and you're like, or maybe you're not even talking with somebody, you're just at odds with them between your ears. And you're just, and you're just grinding. And you think, wait a minute, where did this come from? Where did this come from? Well, our fleshly desires that wage war against our members. Because you know what, what ends up happening is we have someone that we're very, very committed to and very interested in. It's called us. And what happens is we find out that everyone else is not equally committed to us. And that really disturbs us. And so, you know, we begin to go through and we have all kinds of problems just dealing with desires, dealing with, you know, the things that wage war within us. The third aspect is the aspect of the enemy, the devil. He is the leader of all that oppose God. All that oppose God. And you see here in this verse right here, what he, what he's, he's <clears throat> excuse me, what he says in Ephesians 6, 10 and 12, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. What you find is that the enemy has a plan, he has a desire. His desire is to devour our lives, to do us and to render us ineffective for the cause of Christ. Now, you know, that can happen a lot of ways. I mean, you know, honestly, we, we won't have time to look at all of those uh, probably in this series, and we're not even going to attempt to. But I mean, there's a lot of things that you look at there. For instance, you know, when he wants to render you ineffective, when he wants to devour your life, one of the things he'll do to start it with is he'll devour your schedule. You'll find yourself busy with this and busy with this and busy with this and busy with this and busy with this. And the next thing you know, your schedule's gone and your time for him and your time to get to know him and your time to really grow in him is just not there. And you go, oh, I really wanted to do that too. I don't know how that happened. I do. You know, your, your life was just devoured right there in front of your own eyes, and you didn't even know what happened. You know, you don't want to be unaware. So how do you know? We could probably, you know, we could probably do a series on, on all of these, but how do you know when it's Satan that is attacking you versus the world or versus the flesh? Now, maybe the first thought in your mind is, does it matter? I mean, you know, if, if you're getting attacked, isn't that kind of a bad thing? Well, yeah, it is. But the reason it matters is this. You handle each one of them very differently. The things, the way the world attacks, you handle that a certain way. The way that uh, the flesh attacks, you deal with that a certain way. You know, the way that uh, the enemy attacks, you deal with that. For instance, there's some places in the Bible where it says, flee. And you think, hmm, okay. There's other places it says, stand firm. Now, what do you think happens if you stand firm when you should be fleeing? Yes, supper. You are supper right there for the enemy. You see, you don't want to do that. What do you think happens if you, you, know, you try to flee when you should be standing firm? Ah, again, 
lunch. Uh, you have become lunch. For the, you see, you don't want to do those things. What you want to do is you want to learn, okay, how do you respond properly in the right way at each time? So the way that you see with these things is the way you differentiate between them, the world, the flesh, the devil, each one of them attack differently. Each one of them attack differently. This was extremely helpful for me when I found this and I began to find, you know, that each one of these things has, has a different modus operandi for how they do. The world... The world seeks, the way the world seeks to um, attack you is this, subtle pressure, subtle pressure. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Another translation, a translation called the J.B. Phillips translation, where this guy went through and individually did, he says this, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. Whether we realize it a lot, most of the time, that's exactly what's going on. You know, you'll find this is true, whether it's through media, you know, like some of you, you know, we talked about, you know, losing time a minute ago. Some of you are going to go this weekend and you think, I don't know what I'm going to do this weekend. That's okay. ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC, they've planned your weekend long before you have. They know exactly what you're going to do. And then they know what you're going to do right after you do that. See, they have your whole weekend planned. And you're like, how could this be? You know, well, they spend billions of dollars to be able to do this. You, you begin to look, you find there's all sorts of things that the enemy uses. There's systems that are in place that begin to move you this way, move you that way, you know. And what you need to do is you need to be very much aware of that. Just, just a little aside. For instance, like, let's say there's something that you don't really agree with. Maybe it's a certain lifestyle. Maybe it's a certain thing. You, don't, you know what you find within the media? If the media wants you to uh, buy into that, they'll introduce it into a sitcom. And they'll introduce that person or they'll introduce that theme or they'll introduce something into a sitcom. Why? Because what they know is this. If they can make it funny and they can introduce it into there, then before long you're laughing and you're kind of going, oh, and you're just kind of laughing at it and it's no big deal. And the next thing you know, you kind of think, well, that's just part of, I mean, it's just part, I mean, why, that's like this show over here. That's like this. And before long, you've begun to buy right into it. And the subtle pressure that the world exists has done its job and moved you right in to what they want you to believe. And so the world, the way they do it, subtle pressure. The flesh, it's just the lust and desires that begin to control us. The lust and desires that begin to control us. Um, in Romans 6, 12 and 13, Paul says this. Paul says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. When you begin to look right there, one of the things Paul says is, you know what? We're all going to, uh, 
we're all going to choose to follow something. We're all choose to worship something. We're going to choose to offer our bodies up to something. He says, you know what? Don't make that your fleshly lust to where you actually are taking the members of your body and offering them up there to that. He said, no, 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 no. Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who he's, you know, risen, as those alive from the dead, and offer your members as instruments of righteousness. One of the things you begin to see, there's, there's different patterns, there's different habits, there's things that we develop in our life that really help us to do life apart from God. That's what really the flesh and all the things are like that. It, it, it's trying to help you do life away from God. What you need to do is you need to be able to figure out, okay, how do you refuse to do that? How do you begin to change that? We'll talk more about that. The last area is just the enemy. And this is the one we're going to focus on over the next several weeks. The devil himself. How he impacts our lives is not through subtle pressure, although he uses that within the world. How he impacts our lives. Like you won't find yourself having a lot of, you know, like all these... um, sexual lust and everything. He doesn't have to worry that much about that. Why? Because your flesh is going to take care of that. So he doesn't have to worry about, you know, working overtime in that regard. No, what he'll do is he begins to introduce different thoughts and different desires. And what he'll do is he'll introduce a thought or introduce a desire and then allow us to begin to entertain it and allow us to begin to just run it over in our minds. And what you'll find is this. A lot of times a thought will come into your mind and you'll kind of think, oh, that's not right. (laughs) I don't know. Boy, that's not a good thought. And you'll think, hmm. I mean, not like I'd ever do anything with that thought. But if I did, I think what I would probably do is maybe something, not that I would, but I mean, you know, if I did, I'd probably think, like this and then of course you'd look across a crowded room and then you would see them and then you and you have all these different thoughts in your mind that you began to run along and you know what before long it's not a question of if it's just a question of when because he'll place the thought in and then just let you take it through to fruition and so you have to learn how do you begin to deal with each one of these like I said earlier we could have probably take and do a whole series on uh, each one of these. We could do a series on the world. We could do a series on the flesh. We could do a series on the enemy. But what I really want us to focus on, I want us to focus on specifically for the next several weeks, how do we combat the enemy? How do we really deal with him? Because knowing how to deal with his attacks and, and knowing how to deal with him will allow us to stand firm and will allow us to really resist the things that he brings about. Real quickly, this is just an aside for you. As far as dealing with each one of those, for instance, like when dealing with the world, the the real trick there, you begin to renew your mind, like he talks about there. You begin to rehearse the truth. If you want to deal with the world, um, the Reader's Digest version of this, how you do that, renew and rehearse. If you want to deal with the flesh, um, two quick words, refuse and run. 
refuse the desires, refuse the lusts that come up. And, you know, when you find yourself in situations that you think, uh-oh, run, flee. Uh, flee is a good word. It's a biblical word. I say run. They say flee. But, you know, so same thing. When you're dealing with the enemy, though, what you began to do there, you began to resist and replace. Resist and replace. And so you're going to deal differently with each one. With one, renew and rehearse. Second, refuse and run. Third, resist and replace. Resist and replace. So what I'd like us to look at for the remainder of our time right here tonight is just how do you build a life of readiness to resist the enemy? How do you build a life of readiness to resist the enemy? Um, first thing I, I would tell you, take, take him seriously. I mean, a lot of times I think when we think of the enemy, we really kind of have this idea of some little red guy running around with horns and a little tail and, you know, going, you know, we, we think of a cartoon character and we think, oh, isn't that cute? You know, that's the one that's always messing with, uh, you know, this character over here or this character. Or we think of some little thing that's sitting on our shoulders and we're like, oh, look at that. Isn't that little cute? You know, it's not cute. You know, take it seriously. Because the consequences are a devoured life. Take it seriously. Um, and as part of taking it seriously, uh, understand he's out to destroy you. Understand that his primary battlefield is your mind. He's going to be introducing thoughts. He's going to be introducing desires. And you have to learn how to resist, how to replace those thoughts and desires in order to stand. Remember this, if you think wrong, you act wrong. So you want to make sure that you get your thinking lined up with what God's word has to say. Second thing I would tell you about this is walk with God from the heart. Walk with God from the heart. In other words, really learn to do some things like putting on the armor of God that he talks about in Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, he talks about um, Ephesians 6 um, verses um, 13 through 17. He's talking about how do you begin to put on uh, this armor? How do you begin to live that out? You want to learn to do that. You want to learn how to actually do it. So for instance, like the first part he says right there, he says, um, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Truth is one of those aspects. One of the ways the enemy will try to attack you is he'll try to twist the truth. He'll, he'll try to manipulate it and he'll deny it. Or he'll start asking questions like, mm, yeah, but what if? What if? What you need to do in that case is, you know, you need to think about what are the facts that I know? What do I know to be true? And then you think of verses like Philippians 4, 8. You know, finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's lovely, whatever's pure, if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. So, you know, you begin to, the second thing he talks about is righteousness there. You know, your righteousness. You'll begin to uh, have thoughts sometimes that he'll place in your mind like, you know, that person hurt you. You ought to hurt them. And you're like, they did hurt me. And that did hurt. Yes. 
I can see, but instead what you need to do is, you know, you need to resist those and you need to replace them with the truth of what is the right thing for me to do here before God? What would be the right thing for me to do? So each time you resist, you replace, you resist, you replace, and you begin to walk with God from the heart, learning to take your thoughts captive, learning to take and dismiss some, resist others, replace others. But all the way through, what you want to do is learn to really walk with God from the heart. And the reason I say that is this. You know, I don't know anybody that's not good with walking with God outwardly when they want to be. Have you ever noticed how pleasant people can be? You ever, you ever done this? I mean, I know you've never done this. I, I, I remember this vividly one time. I remember I was having a discussion with my wife. Uh, that is code for argument. And, uh, you know, we were like, you know, chatting it up with one another at a higher decibel level, probably thinking that the other one wasn't hearing our point. And so we were going back and forth and back and forth. And I just, I was just so frustrated, kind of like I am right there. And so, uh, you know, I was ripping the top off. They know I wasn't. But I, was, I mean, we were like, you know, going back and forth. And all of a sudden the phone rang and we were like, Hello. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, yeah, yeah, we can do that. We'll see you there. And furthermore, you know, but back at it, and then I realized to myself, hey, hey, you know what? It's not like we can't do this. It's like from the heart that wasn't there. You know, it was one of those sort of things like, my response to this person sounded so good. It sounded like everything was just great from the heart. No, my heart was churning. I was so utterly frustrated. But you know what? It sounded so good. You know, we walk with God like that sometimes. We walk around, people go, how you doing? We go, fine. How are you? We're all fine. I'm fine. You're fine. We're fine. 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 <laughs> the reality is you can act fine and inside, you're getting devoured. The way that you prevent that is learn to walk with God from the heart. David says in Psalm 19, 14, he says, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In other words, God, not just how I appear on the outside, but what's going on on the inside. Make those things sync up. So, you know, walk with God from the heart. The third thing, if you want to begin to build a life of readiness, I would encourage you to begin to memorize Scripture. Begin to, begin to fill your mind with truth. If you ever read, like sometimes, in fact, you want a good homework assignment, here you go. When you go home, pull out your Bible and read like Matthew 4, or you can read Luke 4, it's recorded in both of them. And what you'll find is this. What you'll find recorded is Jesus goes to the wilderness and is there tempted by the enemy. And what does the enemy begin to do? He begins to tempt him at some of the very things that we've talked about. He begins to tempt him with the truth. He begins to tempt him, you know, with righteousness. He begins to tempt him with different things. He begins to tempt him and say, you know, Jesus, why don't you do it this way? Why don't you do it this way? Now, what does Jesus respond with? Anybody remember? You guys need to go home and read that story. 
Scripture. That's exactly right. You know, I have it on pretty good authority. Jesus wasn't sitting there going, I brought nothing along, except, of course, this Bible. You know, I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, that's not what he was doing. Or he didn't say, you know, hey, quick, somebody, I know it's in there somewhere. Someone run, get a scroll. No, I mean, he didn't do that. What he did was he had the word of God memorized. So when the enemy came with the attacks, he was ready there with answers. Have you ever noticed that when you really need an answer from Scripture sometimes, you don't tend to have a Bible right in your hand? Have you ever noticed that? Like you're in class or you're talking with some friend over lunch and they say something to you and you're like, that's not right. And then they go, really? Why do you say it? I'll get back with you. You know, I mean, you don't have any, why don't you? Well, because you don't have the word of God in your, in your life. You begin to memorize the word of God. You begin to give the Holy Spirit a vocabulary in your life to where then he can call that up. And so then you can not only know how to answer other people, but you'll also know things that will help you to stand against the enemy. I mean, at one point, you know, the enemy, if you read, if you read, I don't want to spoil the whole story for you. It's kind of like telling you how La La Land turns out, but you know, I don't want to spoil it for you. But you know, if I, which I could do by the way, because I saw it then, but I won't. Um, <laughs> you know, if um, it's one of those things, how Jesus handled, at one point, the enemy even begins to quote scripture to him. And he said, you know, Jesus, it is written, but Jesus has been in the scriptures enough and memorized them enough that he's even able to respond to that because he knows, okay, that's, that's not in the context that's supposed to be in. So he, he mentioned something different. So begin to memorize the word. If you don't know how to do that, well, good night. Look around and find somebody that's doing it. Ask one of your neighbors right here, or do you know, are you memorizing scripture? And they'll probably say something like, I should be. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you can work on it together. It'll be great. Fourth thing, don't give him an advantage by enabling him. Now, here's the thing. If you have someone that's already more powerful than you are, that already knows more than you do, and already is, you know, like, you know, someone that is only defeatable by God himself, um, you don't want to say, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a 10-yard head start. No, 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 no. You know, don't give him an advantage. How do, we, how do we give the enemy an advantage in our lives? Two real ways. One, walking around angry. And two, refusing to forgive. Walking around angry and refusing to forgive. Now, some of you, <clears throat> not all of you, but there's some of you that, you know what? You're just ticked. You don't really know what you're ticked about. Some of you have been ticked for so long, you don't even remember why you're ticked. But you're ticked. And you just walk around, and you know what? You're just angry. There's just things inside. I mean, it doesn't take much for it to just boil up to the top. Now, in here, of course, people will ask you how you're doing. You're going to go, fine, fine, I'm fine. No problems with me, I'm fine. But you know that you walk out of here, and there's many other situations that, oh my gosh, <clears throat> it begins to just boil up. There's others of you that have legitimately been hurt over the years. Some of you, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's you've just thought you have. Others, you've been legitimately hurt. Either way, whether it's legitimate or not, 
you need to learn to forgive. And the reason you do is because what Paul says in Ephesians 4.26 is, you know, if we refuse to let go of anger and we refuse to forgive, he says you give the enemy a foothold in your life. And you don't want to do that. He's already strong enough. So don't help him out. So I would encourage you as you begin to look at this, begin to think through If I'm going to build a life of readiness so that I can actually stand against the things the enemy is going to throw at me, then I need to begin to practice some of these things right here. What we're going to do over the next five weeks is we're going to take and begin to look at what are five specific lies that the enemy places in our minds that cause us to live ineffective lives. And what you will need to do to combat each one of those. Now, what you're going to find with each one of them is this. There's kind of a half-truth in there. Like the first one we're going to look at next week is the thought, it's too hard. Have you ever been doing something and you thought, well, I can't keep doing this. It's just too hard. You ever thought that? Well, sometimes it is hard, but it's not too hard. But what you'll find is this, a half truth is always a whole lie. So you know what? You don't want to buy into that. You want to learn to actually take and deal with that in a, in a specific way. So we're going to begin to look at several of these over the next few weeks. What I would encourage you is this. I would encourage you, one, to begin to dig into the scriptures, begin to learn how the enemy works in some of these situations and learn what your response is. We're going to talk about those. So if you're here, you'll, you'll pick up on some of those. You'll begin to learn how to deal with that, but then begin to put it into practice. If you don't put it into practice, as James says this, in, in James one twenty two, he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only who merely delude themselves. Is, is, that, is that probably one of the worst things? I mean, you know, it's one thing to be fooled by the enemy, but it's even a worse thing to fool yourself sometimes. I mean, you know, you think, boy, did I fool me. Uh, you know, there, there's no good thing there. So the things you're learning, begin to put them into practice. Begin to actually do them. And what you'll do is you'll begin to see God give you a life that is actually blossoming and growing. Because the enemy, you know, you resist him, he will flee from you. But you have to learn how to resist him. So we're going to do that over the next several weeks. Okay? Let me pray for us, and we'll, uh, we'll bring the crew back up. Father, thank you that you've given us your word. And thank you that as a result of doing that, you've shown us uh, how to live life. You've shown us how to uh, live life in a way that really brings honor to you, brings blessing to others. Would you, uh, would you help us, Father, to uh, really have teachable hearts, to have hearts that are really uh, hungry and humble and and ready to learn from you. And Father, would you give us, uh, would you give us the ability, as you already have, to, uh, to take what we're hearing and actually put it into practice so that we can see lives that are very, very different. We pray that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.